So Kevin, you and I sit on a Bible study small group every Monday morning with about 60 to 70 professional baseball coaches and scouts, and you and I have seen the, the power of small groups. Uh, and, and we'll get to talk about that, but today I, I really do wanna talk about living scent. Um, and so I've got a couple guys from our group, um, Tommy Jackson, Gary Gilmore, and Dan Drellinger, um, who wanted to share a little something with you, actually, about living scent. Um, so let's check that out. Kevin was there for me when he didn't know me from Adam and, uh, you know, was willing to get on with you and, and have a conversation with me that turned into him really leading me to Christ. And I don't think there's any bigger calling in a Christian's life than to do that. And Kevin was obviously uh, ready, willing, and able to do so. Um, I, you know, it's a day I'll never forget. It's November 18th, 2020. I know that because at the end of our conversation, uh, Kevin encouraged me to write a verse down, paste it on my mirror or somewhere where I see it, and I look at it every single day. So uh, my path was very jagged uh, to Christ, but uh, was very straight uh, by the time that uh, I had, you know, essentially had my interactions with, with Kevin. And uh, it is funny that I've never met him in person, but feel extremely close to him. And um, so it's hard to understate the impact and the influence that he's had on my journey to Christ. When a person lives sent, what's different about them what is different about a person than they just get up they go to work they do what they're qualified to do what's different what would you guys say what's different about a person who lives sent in their lives it's like they have a bigger purpose they're living for what would you guys say i tell you mike i i'm i'm gonna jump in on this one because it's it, it's something that uh I, I do every day. There, there's a prayer in the Bible. It's a very short prayer, but it's something that's really meant a lot to me and, and really helped shape my life in a lot of ways. It's a prayer of Jabez. And uh, the very first line to me is the epitome of, for me, of when I think of Kevin Burrell, you know, in the, in the, in the verse, it's, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. To me, that is Kevin Burrell. He wakes up every morning, goes to bed at night, praying to the Lord that please bless me indeed, God. I'm asking for your blessings, not not in monetary value, but in opportunities to, to bless others, Lord, to bring your name to the forefront, to, to bring you know the opportunity to spread Christianity and my love for you. And in so doing that you enlarge my territory, my opportunity to, to express my love and everything that I believe in in Christianity to other people. To me, this is the epitome of who Kevin Burrell is and who I hope in my lifetime, people one day could say that about me. And to me, he is a, a great example of this verse. What would you guys say? What's living scent look like to you when you see somebody who lives scent? You can tell that you can tell that they're intentional. They're intentional about everything that they do uh, to, to, to back or, or to, to take Gilly's point a little bit further. Uh, they're intentional about what they do. In other words, they are looking for opportunities to be Christ-like to other people. 
to people who may not know who Christ is. And in order to do that, and Kevin is this also, he's very authentic, not just in his faith and not just what he shares, but it's just in being a person. I think in this day and age, it's easier, not harder to tell who is authentic and who is not. And Kevin is certainly a very authentic person who will take time with you. Now, Dan, you mentioned that you've not met him in person and uh, he's a big dude. Let me just say that he, he could be <laughs> physically, he could be intimidating, right? Cause he's a, he's a large man and uh, he could be scary. Let's just call it what it is. Um, but he's got the heart of a teddy bear and he loves people. And I think that just comes right out of him. And that to me is a way, a surefire way to tell if someone is living sin. If you were to be able to tell Kevin the difference he's made in your life, if you were to look him in the eyeballs, you were in the room and you said, Kevin, I want you to know the difference you've made to me. What would you say to him? Tommy, I'll, I'll start with you and we'll just work our way around. What would you say? Kevin, I love you, brother. Thank you so much for being in my life and a part of my spiritual journey. Not only have you taught me things, um, I made notes about you, that you are a brother who holds people accountable with truth and with love. And I pray that I can have the same similar type of influence that you have on people. I want to do the same in my life, but I'm just so grateful for you. You've been with me through thick and thin and uh, love you, man. Thank you. How about you, Coach Gilmore? You're an incredible man. Uh, you're a man of God. And I can't tell you how much influence you had on my life. Uh, I, I love you for, for it. You, you, you have a unique ability to not preach at me, but to teach me how to learn and how to be a better Christian. And it's, it's so incredible. I am so at ease talking Christianity with you. And I, I find very few people in my life that are, are so professed uh, Christians that don't feel like they, they, they try to overwhelm me. You, 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 we just have a great conversation and it's part of life. And, and uh, I learned so much for you and I am so blessed in my life to call you one of my best friends. I love you. Coach Drellinger. Kevin, I, you, you've changed my life and I think you've helped make me a better father, a better husband, a, a better coach. Um, because of what you've done and leading me to Christ. I can't thank you enough for being willing to take a stranger in off the street, um, you know, technically speaking off of Zoom and uh, phone calls and really being there for me when I really needed it and uh, being able to help kind of spread the message and spur my life on to try to help others. You've impacted me to the highest degree. Uh, I admire you and I look up to you, uh, not just because of baseball, uh, far more because of what you bring to the spiritual table. Um, it means the world to me, Kevin. I, I consider you a very close friend and I'm very, very thankful to be able to say that. I hope we get to cross paths soon and I love you. Thank you. Hmm. So Kevin, sitting here, hearing, hearing that, how, how does that feel? How does that make you feel? Humbling. It's very humbling. Um, you know, it's, uh, it, it, makes you, it makes me certainly feel that um, living scent um, it is, there is such a priority in that and there's so much accountability in that. And um, 
I'm just honored. I'm honored by just hearing that. You know, it's such a such an encouragement for me personally. Yeah, it's huge. And, and we heard uh, a good bit there about intentionality um, and purpose. Uh, so, so what role do you think that prayer, um, what, what kind of role does that play in living sin and that kind of intentional living? Yeah. Well, it's interesting you asked about the word intentionality because um, just with my group this morning that I was that I'm discipling, we went over this thing of intentionality, living intentional, or living randomly, and so um, I, I think it's so important that when we are trying to make an impact with our lives and we're trying to be an influence on others, that we do live intentional, that we are planning, we are not trying to wing it. We're not trying to live our day um, getting up and just winging it through life, that we, just as Jesus was, who was our model, that we're living very intentional. And he knew where he was going that day. He was very strategic. He had it planned out for that day from village to village. And so um, as Mike so good about reminding us about um, getting up, locking eyes with Jesus and walking towards him that day. And when we can lay our head on our pillow that night, that we look at that and say, I lived my life intentionally that day, locking eyes with Jesus and walking towards him. And, and I did the best I could today in abiding with him and, and living out his character and his conduct. So good, and, and even just the idea of, of being prepared. I love what um, Coach Drellinger said in regards to that conversation in which you led him to Christ. Mm -hmm. um, he specifically said that you were ready, willing, and able. Um, how did you get to a place where you were ready, willing, and able to lead someone to Christ? Yeah. So, growing up in my younger years, um, grew up on the West Coast, and when I came to faith in Christ, June 3rd, 1976. Um, and growing up in church and in a Christian home, um, I was in church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, grew up in a Christian family. But it wasn't until 20 years later or 20 years ago uh, in my life personally that I didn't really understand what it meant to be a disciple and then how to make and multiply disciples. So I knew about the importance of, of uh, discipleship in a church and that churches are to have disciples in it. I had no understanding of how to be a disciple and really how to multiply or how to go and make disciples. I didn't know how to do that. And I didn't really understand that concept or that process of living intentionally and being able to share my faith in a way that was gonna uh, to be a disciple maker until really 20 years ago. Yeah, wow. So if you could sit down with a follower of Jesus and could give them an encouragement to live sent, uh, what, what would you tell them? So I try to tell them uh, to work a process of, of, um, of being, going to the culture and bring him into the crowd environment to sort of reach out, to plug them in, to build them up and to send them out. That's really the grid that I try to when I'm, when I'm talking to a young Christian or a new believer in the faith and trying to take them from untrained to fully trained mm. of Luke 640 and trying to teach them this grid to work through of reaching out to them, reaching out to the culture and bringing them in 
to the crowd and um, plugging them in and then building them up through discipleship to the point where you can send them out where they can multiply it again. Today, we are blessed to have in our service my good friend, Kevin Burrell. Would y'all thank Kevin for sharing his story today? I met Kevin 1985. We met in Fayetteville, Georgia. Kevin was playing in the minor leagues at that time, and our pastor, Ike, connected us. And man, we began a journey together as friends all these years. And what I love about Kevin is this. Kevin is the picture of somebody who may have a role they play during the day, but they have a way different purpose they play that role for. You know, every day we all get up and we get the same amount of hours a day. The question is, what do we do with those hours? The question isn't, do we have people around us that need Jesus? Not the question. The question is, do we live our lives on purpose and for a reason bigger than us? Kevin lives sin. Last week he was voted the Georgia Major League Scout of the Year, and I don't think that's an accident. I think as Coach Gilmore, who's at Coastal Carolina, Coach Gilly said, he prays that God would enlarge his borders. Why? So more people can know who Jesus is. So I got a question for you today. We've watched stories through the book of Acts. We've heard stories here on this screen for all these weeks. Are you living sin? Not what you do for a living, but is your life counting for something bigger than you. I want everybody to reach in the seat back in front of you. Reach out in the seat back in front of you. Encompass, True North, reach in the seat back in front of you. There's a card like this. If today you go, Mike, I wanna live sin. And I want you to know you can count on me. I may not understand all the Bible, right? I may not get it all. But for the time I've been given, I'm gonna live my life on purpose. I'm gonna live sin. I don't really know what all that means, but I just want you to know you can count on me. If you'll put your name in your email, it's all you've got to put, and just write on there, live sent. You can leave it on the seat, seat that you're in today, and we'll grab it at the end of the service. Also on the outline that you got today is a little QR code. Let's take your phone, grab that QR code, and it gives you a little link tree, and you can sign up on there. First little slot says live sent. You can sign up, because here's why. I don't want to just meet to meet. I'm glad you're here. But ladies and gentlemen, we got work to do. And we can't do work not living sent. We've got to live our lives for a bigger purpose, for a bigger reason, and for a bigger story. And every day when I get up, I got to know I'm not living for me. I'm living for something bigger than me. Would you pray with me? Father, today we lock eyes with you. And God, we may wear the uniform of a business leader during the week. We may wear the uniform of a coach, a 
a teacher, a lawyer, doctor, veterinarian, a builder, real estate agent, ball player. The God behind it, we're on mission. We're living sent for you. We want to leave a wake of changed lives around us. So Father, today we commit ourselves to you. And God, I pray for all of those that wrote on that card today. They don't even know yet what all that means. They just know they don't want life to be about them. God, I pray for this time and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Would y'all thank all the people that wrote their names down today? Let them know how proud you are of them. Everybody take your Bibles. Turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 12. We're gonna wrap up our series called Live Sent. Look at it, this early church that really is living sent. I mean, they are, they are living out this purpose that they believe that God created them for and everything else about their context is very different than our context. They are just after the time of Christ. The political cauldron of the day is boiling. And here they are living for Jesus, and it's costing them something. One of the key players in that story was a guy named Simon Peter, and Simon Peter plays a major role in our story today. Acts chapter 12, you got it in your Bible, you got your app out. Go ahead and stand with me today in honor of reading God's word together. And we're gonna work our way through Acts 12. If any point, I'm saying something you're not reading, look up, all right? And so it could be a while. Here we go. Acts 12, verse one. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some of the believers in the church. You've heard the name King Herod before. This is the grandson of the King Herod you read about in the story of Jesus. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with the sword. In the Gospels, we read about James and John, sons of thunder. They were fishermen. Well, John, we know, goes on to live a long life. James is killed by King Herod Agrippa. Now, this is a political environment. Look at verse three. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Simon Peter. So his thought is, man, these people love this. They, man, I'm more popular than ever. He's Roman. So he's thinking, I'm more popular than ever. I'm gonna go ahead and arrest the leader of this early church who was Simon Peter. He imprisoned him. He placed him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. The night before he was to be placed on trial, he fell asleep. We'll talk about this in a second. He was fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. And suddenly there was a bright light in the cell. An angel of the Lord stood before Peter and said, and before Peter, and the angel struck him on the side to awaken him. Quick, get up, and the chains fell off his wrist. Then the angel told him, get dressed, put on your sandals. So he did. Now put on your coat and follow me. 
So Peter left the cell following the angel, but all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and second guard posts, came to the iron gate leading to the city, and this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street. Then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true. The Lord has sent his angel to save me from Herod for what the Jewish leaders had planned to do for me. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. He knocked at the door in the gate, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter's standing at the door. You're out of your mind, they insisted. It must be his angel. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. When they finally opened the door and they saw him, they were amazed. He motioned for them to quiet down, told them how the Lord had led him out of prison, tell James and the other brothers what's happened, he said, and then he went to another place. What just happened was absolutely incredible, and it happened because of prayer, and that's what we're gonna talk about today. So before you're seated, turn around, find somebody around you, find out where they're eating for Thanksgiving. All right, do that. If you're looking for somewhere to go, maybe you can go with them, you can be seated. Well, I am so glad you are here this morning, and here's why. What this early church tapped to live for Jesus, to live sent for Jesus, you and I have equal access to. They capitalized on a word that we hear a lot in church but I don't know necessarily how much we really use it, right? And the word is prayer. I want you to write down prayer at the top of your outline. When I say the word prayer, a lot of different images may come up in your mind. You may remember growing up and talking about prayer, or you heard a grandma or grandpa pray, or somebody always prays over the Thanksgiving meal, or whatever it is, you hear all these things. I want you to write down, let's just set a baseline of what prayer is. I want you to write down Prayer is our connection to God's heart. Did you write that down? Prayer is our connection to God's heart. It's not a formula. It's not if you do it exactly like this, it always works. Prayer is our connection to God's heart. Question of the day. First question of the morning. Do you believe that God wants us to pray, yes or no? Yes, I would agree with you. I believe he wants us to pray. Second question, do you believe that God hears our prayers, yes or no? Okay. Third, do you believe that God cares when we pray, yes or no? Okay, so we answer yes to all of them, but yet we find ourselves many times not praying. We know God answers. We know God cares. We know God listens but we don't always tap in to this power that the early church found. A couple things I want you to get down today that they got. Principle number one, ready? We've got to believe that God is greater. We've got to believe that God is greater. This early church had nothing else to depend on but the Lord. So 
I want you to get this. This word is the big word of principle number one. Peter was in an impossible situation. He was chained to be killed. James, one of the other apostles, has already been killed by King Herod Agrippa, and he loves how the people felt about it. So he's gone and he's gotten Simon Peter. Don't think he's just gonna teach him a lesson. They're gonna kill him, and there's no way to get him out. He is chained in the prison, and he's locked up, and he's got multiple guards around him. It was an impossible situation for everyone but who? God. But man was impossible. I mean, Simon Peter's in big trouble. All of us will in face, face impossible situations. Here's the question. This is what I wrote in my outline. This is the question I had to ask myself this morning. Do I let my situation overshadow God or do I let God overshadow my situation? We've all got to figure that out, don't we? Do I let my situation overshadow God or do I let God overshadow my situation? Here's what I will tell you. So this is a little, little background on Mike Lynch if you don't know me that well. I have absolutely no doubt God could answer any prayer you need if he chooses to. I don't, I don't doubt it. You could walk up to me today and go, I'm gonna tell you something that's gonna blow your mind. Do you think God can answer this prayer? I've been in this business a long time. I have never met a situation I don't think God can answer. Will Georgia Tech beat Georgia? I'm not real sure about that. But anyways, it's so. But most situations, I know that God, I know how he's gonna answer. I know how he's gonna come through. I have no problem believing what God can do for you. My problem is believing what God can do for me. Do y'all ever find yourself there? Your situation looks too big. Your trial seems too much. And it's almost like here's God and here's our situation rather than here's God and here's our situation. This church believed that God was greater. They knew God had this thing. And they trusted. God's got an answer. I don't know what it is, but it looks impossible. Jesus himself said with God, all things are possible. And they believed it. Principle number two, they believed that God was listening. I think they genuinely thought God was hearing their prayers. You would not have prayed like they prayed if you didn't believe it like they believed it. Look, look at the way it says it. And the church prayed very earnestly. This is the, the words I wrote in my Bible. Helps me remember stuff. Unrelenting intensity. Unrelenting intensity. It's like, I know God's listening. I know God hears me. And I am gonna pray and I'm not letting go. It wasn't like, God, Peter's in a big situation here. I pray you come through for him. Now, what time's my pickleball match? Or I mean, that, it wasn't like that. They were, I mean, they were grabbing God. They weren't letting go. You ever had a situation like that in your life? Something that was so much bigger than you? You didn't know 
any other way to do it than go, God, I don't have any other answers that are gonna work. You are the only one that's gonna work. And they prayed earnestly and they prayed believing that God is listening. They trusted that God heard their prayers. He's bigger than their situation and he hears my prayers. And if I think he hears, it affects how I pray, right? If I don't think God's listening, I'm probably not giving much effort to prayer. But if I believe God's listening and I know he's there, I pray differently. But not only did they believe that God was greater and they believed he was listening, number three, they believed God cared. They believed it. I think Simon Peter believed it. They believed that God cared. So North Star's full of lots of people from very different backgrounds, all right? So let's, let me tell you where we're at as a church. I believe that Scripture teaches that God knows and wants to be a part of every detail of your life. There's nothing too big or too small for God. So if you're from a, a religious background that you said, well, we only bother God with big stuff, then that's, that's not what we believe. We believe that scripture teaches you bother God with everything, right? We pray about everything. We pray without ceasing about the big things and the little things. And believe that God cares, so this is really interesting about Simon Peter. Pop it up on the screen real quick. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was, what's the next word? Okay, let's step out of the story real quick. His buddy, James, was just killed. You are in jail, and guess what? Your card's coming tomorrow morning, all right? And so your, your, your time is coming. How many of you, as spiritual as you want to be, probably would not have slept so well the night before? Raise your hand. If you don't raise your hand, you're a lying dog. I'm telling you, all of us, man, we'd be up pacing. I'd be like, how am I gonna get out of this? What's my escape plan? I'm gonna talk to King Herod. I'll be his campaign advisor. I mean, I'll do anything. It's, don't, don't kill me, all right? I don't wanna die this way. Simon Peter wasn't asleep. He was fast asleep. Here's the great part of the story. The angel, bright light shines in the cell. He doesn't wake up. He doesn't wake up. The angel has to go over and nudge him and go, dude, wake up, right? You gotta get up. And Simon Peter wakes up. How in the world could he do that? I believe Simon Peter had such a trust that God had the situation, he fell asleep. Here's the word, right? I want you to write this word down. Peace, peace. When you believe God cares, you have a peace. Situation stinks, but you have a peace. Remember hearing the story years ago, a guy that was getting audited by the IRS and he got all his files together. This is no fun. And he goes to the IRS office and he stands in this long line and he gets put in the seat and he waits and waits and waits. And while he was waiting, he fell asleep, fell sound asleep sitting there holding his box of stuff and he's nudged back and he's sound asleep. They called his number, called his number, called his number. The guy didn't get up. Finally, they went over and said, are you number 58, blah, blah, blah. The guy's like, yeah, that's me. 
the, they said, it's your time to go see the auditor. So he gets his stuff and the auditor walks out and said, you can go home now. And they went, well, you didn't look at my stuff. He said, any man that'll fall asleep in the IRS office, all right, you're safe. All right, you can go home now. He was at peace. He knew everything was in control. Simon Peter knew God had him. You know, I wonder if in his mind he went back to the time in the boat when the storm was raging and Jesus was sound asleep in the hull of the boat and Simon Peter was the one frantic up top. Maybe some of his thoughts were what he wrote in one of his letters when he said, cast your, all your anxiety on God because he cares for you. Everybody look at me. Not some of your anxiety. All of your anxiety. And know that he cares. I think what would shock us is knowing ultimately how God truly feels about us. He knows it all about you. He's got your whole story. And he cares. Some of you walk through situations and you go, I don't know how I made it with a loss of someone or the loss of employment or a sickness that you're walking through. And you're like, I know God's got me. And that's where this whole point of we believe God cares. Not just he knows, not just he listens, but he genuinely cares. Point number four. And we believe that God answers. It's great that he hears. It's great that he's greater. I'm glad he cares. But I believe God answers prayer. Here's the word I want you to write under number four. Ready? If. If. We pray. If. Mike, I haven't seen any God do much great in my life. Well, have, have you prayed? Have you sought him? If we pray. You know what I love here at North Star? We have a team every week that walks in here on a Sunday morning. So every Sunday morning, just to let you know what happens early, 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 before most of you are up, this team, our production staff, our True North Auditorium, they're practicing. They do a full run through every week, so they're ready for you. As soon as that gets done, we have a prayer group that walks these rooms and prays over every chair. Some weeks, you may feel like, man, God spoke to me today. It wasn't me. It was a prayer that was prayed over you before you even got out of bed this morning. They prayed it over your chair. They prayed compass, true north. Those of you watching online, we can't come pray at your house, that's trespassing, all right? But anyway, so, but they pray. They walk in here every week and they pray. Walk by every chair. God speak, God touch, God heal, God move, God meet. God, no. 
heal that broken heart. Touch that wounded soul. Draw that person to you. I pray it every week. You fill out those prayer cards every week and you're like, does anybody pray for those? Oh yeah, they pray over every one of them. Many of you have gotten cards from them saying, I prayed for you today. They meet once a month noon for a prayer gathering led by Mallory who coordinates our prayer ministry. Why do we do that? Because prayer matters. Everybody look at me. And prayer works. If, if, if you try it. You may say, Mike, I had no idea that team was here. I'd love to be a part of that. Northstarchurch.org slash prayer has all the information there. years from now I'm not going to be here if I am most likely praise dear just pray dear Jesus not let him speak when he's 102 all right so I ain't going to be here I may be sitting out there or doing something might be directing traffic I don't know what I'll be doing but I will be up here but but I want this church to be meeting and changing lives. How does that happen? Prayer. That call earlier. (laughs) I'll never forget that night when we zoomed up with Dan out in Illinois. Dan came to know Christ. How How did he meet Christ that night? Fred Corral, who's a pitching coach at University of Missouri, was doing pitching palooza in the Midwest. At the end of his converse, at the end of his teaching time, Fred goes, Hey, let me tell you about something that matters to me more than baseball. I'm in a Bible study every Monday morning with Pro Scouts, college baseball coaches. At the end of that, a guy walks up to him named Dan Drellinger, who's a Costa Mesa junior college, his head coach. Dan goes, I, I'm missing something. I need that. I get an email from Dan going, hey, I'm in California and I'd love to be a part of the Bible study. I'm like, dude, we meet at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. where you are. He's like, I'll do it. And he joins in. Starts to watch our services. He's probably watching today. God used Fred Corral to get him to a Bible study to meet Kevin Burrell to come to know Christ. We pray God would use that group for these guys. Somebody's praying for hope. And they need you. How are you going to find it? When our heart is connected with his heart, we see the things he wants us to see. Would you pray with me? Father, the call of living sent is bigger than all of us. God, if I don't pray, if I don't seek you, my natural tendency is going to be take care of me, not see the needs of others. My natural bend is going to be, God, just look after my day. Look after my people. Look after my stuff. 
God, today we want to grab you and say we believe you for greater things. Father, may this church be a praying church. God, may we be praying people. I believe the Lord's got something to say to you today. Would you just let him speak to you? Would you?